Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And welcome to episode 370 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... Hey, howdy. My name is Woody, and this is Andy's room. Local law enforcement. It's about time you got here. I'm Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger, Universe Protection Unit. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm very good, David. How are you? I don't think I've used that one before. <laughs> no, that's the one of the four that you haven't used yet, so I'm, I'm happy to hear that one. Excellent. You're back on this week because it is half term. Uh, it would normally be a grey week, but he's off on holiday because he's a teacher. So, uh, yes, you're here again. What have you been up to the last week? A couple of different things on my list this week because I was here last week. I've still seen the, the newer episodes of Servant and uh, Shrinking since then, but those were pretty good episodes. Other than that, the other thing I didn't mention when I was on last time, which is Atlanta finished yes. its fourth and final season some point last year, whenever it was. Absolutely incredible show. I did a podcast about a month or so ago, something like that, and did one of my uh, Why You Should Watch podcasts. The show's very, very short. Uh, it's only four seasons, each and 10 episodes each, and they're about between 30 to 40 minutes or so per episode. One wanted to particularly point out two episodes in the last season. Now, for the two episodes I'm going to mention, I'm not going to tell you what happens or give any sort of context because it's a bit more of like a surprise. Season four, episode six, one of the best episodes of TV I've seen in quite some time. It's one of those episodes of TV that just like really, really stands out. Although the show does have continuing storylines and stuff, there are certain episodes you could probably watch individually. Yeah. And I would say this is one of them. So it's season four, episode six. You can find the show on uh, Star via Disney Plus or FX if you're in the US. So if you want a sample size of the show and what it's sort of capable of, I would safely say you can watch that without any sort of needing previous knowledge and it won't spoil anything. And, you know, it's it's one of those sort of episodes of the show. Right from even like the opening moment of the opening scene to the very, very last part of it is just put together like a masterpiece. And there's lots of like little things that happen in the episode. You know, when they talk about sometimes a show's got an A, B, C or D plot sometimes, you know, it's got different sort of main plots. It's got like its A and its B sort of plot, but it's got lots of other little things and moments that happen in the show. And sometimes you look at little things within an episode and think, oh, that was just a little throwaway kind of fun thing. But it manages to really connect everything together quite spectacularly. So I just wanted to sort of highlight that particular episode. So if you haven't seen any of the show, of course, I'm basically saying that's the best episode of the show, Mm -hmm. or at least I think it is anyway, although the whole show is absolutely fantastic. So and then there's an episode, I think it's episode eight or nine of the final season. I will not give any context to it at all, but I started the episode and the episode essentially has nothing to do with anything in the entire show. Um, (laughs) But it started and you know when you start an episode of a show and you kind of think, did I play the wrong episode or something? We we did that recently with an episode of I think The Last of Us. I think it was episode two and it had like a weird 
different start and everything. So it kind of does a bit of that. And you keep thinking, like, okay, how is this tied into Atlanta, the show? And it isn't at all, but it's thematically connected. And by the end of that episode, the important part was by the end of the episode, I kind of understood why it had been included. And then I was glad that it was. Have you seen any of the show at all? It's one that I keep on waiting to go to start to watch and other things keep on getting in the way. The episode yeah. that you're mentioning, was it done in a sort of documentary format? It was yes, that yes. One? I don't yeah. want to say too much about yeah, the episode. Okay. But... Yeah, that is episode eight of season four. Right, that, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. I haven't got to it yet and I I keep on meaning to watch it and it's another one on the list of things that I just haven't quite got round to but yes it is one that I do want to sit and watch nice but yeah that's finished with its fourth and final season finished in a very satisfying way anyway so and of course you've got the incredible talent of uh, Donald Glover and of course all the rest of the cast like you've got Zazie Beats and some other people as well really really good stuff we had a new Flash trailer yeah we had a new Flash trailer um, I mean there was a bunch of trailers I've actually uploaded all the Super Bowl mm-hmm. movie trailers are up on the website if you go and look on there be somewhere on the front page by the time this goes out there was a new guardians trailer which looks great as well that is going to be a really interesting one because the guardians will not be the same at the end of that it's it's making it fairly clear that this formation of the guardians is over after that there was a new indie trailer there was one for fast x scream 6 the new Transformers movie, Creed 3, a few other bits and pieces. There was a very funny, not a movie trailer, but an advert for a crisp called Popcorners, which had the Breaking Bad cast in it. Oh, it was cool. Brian Cranston, Aaron Paul and Raymond Cruz who played Tuco. Right. So it was the three of them doing sort of, instead of cooking meth, they were cooking crisps. <laughs> so <laughs> that was quite funny. And uh, yes, I mean, it's always fun to see those together, but to do the kind of comedy way that was quite entertaining but yes the flash trailer thoughts i liked parts of it other parts of it i thought were strange it's going to be very interesting because over the literally over the years since what 2018 or so when this was supposed to come out Mm -hmm. this film has been i I can't recall another film that has the public knowledge of being chopped and changed and edited as much as this one has over the years i mean if you look at the pitched version of the 2018 film it is a different film to this but even within this version of this film which is the more multiverse flashpoint version we've heard over the years of like oh they're filming this part and then they're cutting it out and then this is going to happen and then it's not etc etc one part i found kind of interesting because you've got zod in here who's the same version from man of steel Mm -hmm. and then kara shows up and there was parts where henry superman was going to be in this film Mm -hmm. for, for a scene or two and gal gadot's wonder woman was supposed to be as well so it's things like that that have been cut out from the film and I kind of thought okay that gives me an indication that like from those two elements will there be weird parts of the story where it seems like I don't know Superman was clearly meant to be in here but he's like a gap in the film or or something weird there's parts to it that are kind of like that because I think what the opening of this was supposed to be and obviously this isn't going to happen is Barry was supposed to obviously does the time travel thing and Wonder Woman and Superman was supposed to try to stop him but they cut out the film right because I think it's pretty clear that Superman and Wonder Woman are not going to be in this film anyway it's also some speculation because initially when you got the earlier version of this flashpoint film like the first version of it ray fisher cyborg was going to be in it he was going to be kind of flashes or barry's sort of friend and now they've got like this second barry in there and some people have speculated like that was probably supposed to be the placeholder for cyborg so i just wonder if those sorts of issues are going to kind of come up in the film and there's going to be some like missing parts 
I also do think now that we've actually seen parts of Sasha Cully's Supergirl and we spoke, was it last week, with the whole DC use slate, because people seem to quite like her already and I think she looks quite cool and everything. It will be very disappointing if she's introduced in this and then with that origin story-ish version that we, we described before, if she gets cut out of that because that doesn't like fit her same Supergirl. So there's some things to be worked out. I do think some of this looks quite good though. It was great to see Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck's Batman mm-hmm. in this, especially Ben's because he's my favorite one. So that was cool and obviously you got the I'm Batman line which you probably had to put in there yes. so that's a nice callback some things in here that might work some things in here that are going to be interesting for like editing and placement and, and things like that we'll see what happens with this what do you think so far? I was really impressed by the trailer obviously there's the whole controversy thing over Ezra but you know moving past that the trailer itself what really impresses me is it feels actually like they have quite closely followed the comic book but made some alterations in the same way that MCU do with their films. Mm. You know, like the Infinity Saga in the book isn't exactly the same as the Infinity Saga that we got on screen because things worked out slightly different. For example, in the book, the super that we see in Flashpoint is Superman. It it isn't Supergirl. There is that particular change in there. And Zod isn't in it. In the book, a lot of the turmoil is caused by a war between the Amazons and Atlantis as they're sort of battling for control. I think it kind of makes more sense that it's Zod in this. And given this is the round out of the Snyderverse DCU, it's quite nice that they've brought Michael Shannon back to play Zod because he was sort of in the first movie of it as well. So it it rounds Mm -hmm. it off quite well. Given that, I do sort of agree that it is a shame that they didn't go with Cavill for this. Although you could argue that having Cavill in this, because that super role is fairly central to the plot, it might have felt a bit more like Superman was overshadowing Flash and it's supposed to be a Flash film. So I can Mm. sort of see a reason for not doing that as well. But in that sense, it is a shame. I was really stoked to see Michael Keaton as Batman because I grew up on that film and also to see Ben back in there. And there was some very quick, interesting shots of Ben in a different Batsuit. It's the blue and grey Batsuit, which we've never seen on screen before. They've always gone for the sort of black or very dark grey. That I thought was awesome. And it seemed to work on screen as well in this context, because I mean, we've seen the Adam West version of it, but I really like the fact that they actually use that in here. I thought that was awesome. So there are some stylistic things that I thought were very cool. Hmm. I like the fact that they are sticking with a comic book story rather than trying to sort of make something up or take three comic books and jam them together, which is what they've done in the past and it just doesn't work. Speed running to Doomsday was a horrible idea for the Batman v Superman movie. Overall, I am very interested in this film. You are right that there have been a lot of changes. I hope that that isn't that obvious, but I think it looks like it's going to be a really quite spectacular movie. And I'm trying not to get overhyped for it because we've had good trailers before and the movie itself has fallen flat on its face. So we'll see when it comes out in June. June 16th, it's due out. Mm-hmm. But if this is the sort of swan song to the whole Snyderverse and that version of the DCU, I think it's quite a nice way of going out. And then we're on to the Gun Saffron stuff. But yeah, I mean, Keaton and Affleck being in there, I, I thought was great. Sasha Kelly looks really interesting. I know what you're saying about her introduction in this and then if we don't get her in the other film. I don't know with that. 
knowing the plot of that story, I understand why they possibly wouldn't use her. But we'll see. It could just be a one-off thing. We're still supposed to have some sort of dark flash because I don't, I don't think Reverse Flash is in this film unless he's in a secret scene that we don't know about. Or Although given the fact this is, this is your first proper live-action Flash film, you probably should have Reverse Flash somewhere well, in there because he's quite integral to Flash's story. Is Ezra also playing Dark Flash as well? Uh, well, don't know. There are some suggestions that that's who that other Barry is. I've seen... So like he becomes of, that later or something. Uh, we, or, or he's pretending the entire time. Um, hmm. That may not be the case. Don't know. We're purely speculating at the moment. But that that could yeah. be the reverse Flash just wearing Barry's face. That is maybe a possibility. But hmm. don't know. I'd be surprised if reverse Flash isn't in there somewhere. Because Reverse Flash is certainly part of the story in the comic book, but like we said, it is Barry that screws things up. It's him that seemingly screws up the timeline. Yeah. So we'll have to see how all this plays out. But mm-hmm. yeah, I imagine we'll get another trailer as well between now yes, and I mean, when we'll, it comes we out, will. which will we, yeah. hopefully explain a few more things. So yeah, we will. Yeah, certainly. there we go. Some other very big news that came out was it middle of last week? Is it Disney slash Pixar's doing Toy Story 5, Frozen 2 and Zootopia 2? Yes. And announced it in the most casual way you could possibly could. Well, it came off an investor call, didn't yes, it, I think? Yes. Which is weird, that, because rather than doing a big announcement and then sort of saying it on the investor call or explaining a bit more at that point, they announced it as part of the investor call, which is basically them saying, we're all good, we're going to make you lots more money. Mm. This is why, because we've got all this stuff coming. And, you know, got, yeah. the, that, that's the sort of thing. It is a weird way to announce it, but I can't say I'm massively surprised that they're going to make more Frozen and more Toy Story, because they've been hugely popular franchises so of course why not the only one thing you really need to do in Toy Story 5 is just the the Buzz and Woody reunion I mean that's the big powerful kind of I mean it'll be emotional anyway because Pixar know how to do that by this point they've been doing it for well over 20 years that's all you really got to do for that film Um, whether or not they introduce new characters or you know obviously you've got Forky who's new in there you've got Bonnie as well you could technically I mean this could probably apply to other franchises you could technically do Toy Story forever because then you could just because the Toy Toys are never going to age. Yeah. Obviously, the voice actors will, but the toys never age. And once it gets to a point where the kid they're looking after gets older and goes off to college or does whatever, obviously, that's what Andy ended up doing. You just turn them off to another young child and do it all over again. Yeah. So I think it's kind of fair that if you're going to give a trilogy to Andy, you could do the same with, with Bonnie. Uh, which, yeah. which would mean you'd need a Toy Story 6 as well. But uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm sure awesome if, if Toy Story 5 <laughs> makes enough money, I'm sure they'll do a Toy Story 6. And then you've got Frozen, Frozen 3, actually, isn't it? Because they've already done Frozen oh, yeah. 2. So yeah. Frozen 3 and Zootopia 2. Did you see Zootopia? No, I think I downloaded it and then still didn't get round to watching it because oh. it was on one of the streaming it's services. Film. Yeah, it appealed to me. I just hadn't got round to watching it yet. You know what I'm like with movies. I have actually mm-hmm. watched a film this week, but it's very rare that I actually think of sitting down and doing it yeah no, Frozen 2 is interesting as well that kind of ended in a point where it's like okay sure you could do it Frozen 3 but you're going to need to kind of come up with a new storyline it's interesting with Pixar though because they have kind of other than Cars and like Incredibles and Toy Story and I guess you could say Monsters Inc although the second one's a prequel they don't do a lot of sequels but often come no, out with, I mean like Elementals have. is coming out that's going to be a new kind of thing you had Luca you are Turning Red in the last couple of years those are all like brand new things which it must be hard to consistently come up with new ideas and not go 
over things that you've covered too much before. But I fully trust Pixar because I have no reason not to do so. I know Lightyear wasn't everybody's cup of tea, but I, I very much enjoyed it for the reasons yeah, I did. And that wasn't really a sequel. It was an interesting kind of spin-off it was idea. A spin-off, right? pretty yeah. cool thing, yeah. But no, Zootopia is good as well. Pixar have got a lot going on now because they've yeah. got Elementals to finish off. Toy Story 5, Frozen 3, and uh, whatever else they've got coming out. Yeah, those are the things I want to talk about this week. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I finished off the Recruit season one of that, which I really enjoyed. It's by the people that made the Rookie, and it is a bit like if you took Jack Ryan and gave it to the people that made the Rookie to make Jack Ryan, kind of. It's it's a sort of uh, lawyer in the CIA who gets in way over his head, and that's essentially the setup for it. I'm glad they renewed that for a second season because it does finish in a place that needs a second season for it, so I'm happy that that got picked up again there is a very interesting little cameo towards the end of that as well which i won't spoil but uh, there's a fun little cameo at the end of that as well well worth watching though if you like those sort of lighter sort of drama comedy action things the recruits definitely want to go and check out that's on netflix bad batch i realized i was a few episodes behind on that so started watching that that's really found its footing in the last few episodes it feels like there's a point with clone wars where it suddenly sort of turned the corner i think i think it was season two or three i mean it was a fun show but it started to do longer overarching stories and they had one of those that digs a lot more into the sort of background of Star Wars and talking about the switch over from the clones to the stormtroopers and I really really enjoyed that I I think that's been a really really solid Joe Bad Batch. Speaking of the Rookie, the Rookie Feds started which is the spin-off which they backdoor piloted last season. If you didn't see the backdoor pilot for it, it's basically the same setup as the Rookie rather than being the oldest recruit in the LA police force it's the oldest recruit in the FBI academy it stars uh, Nicey Nash Betts in the lead role of Simone she's a sort of former guidance counsellor and the age of 48 she decides she sort of follows her lifelong dream to join the FBI introduces a bunch of sort of new characters uh, one of them's an ex-star of a TV show called Vampire Cop and he's now gone into the FBI so that's sort of one of the setups for it they've set up this new rapid response team which allows the FBI to basically take on a new case each week it's an interesting kind of setup I don't think it quite has the charm of the rookie probably because Nathan Fillion isn't a constant presence in it and I mean that's one of the things that makes the rookie so good is the casting for that show what is quite nice is certainly in the opening episode you're getting a few of the rookie characters pop up in this so if they call the LAPD it tends to be a character that you know from the rookie that's coming in to help out the feds on this Hmm. show so there is some crossover and it may just be one of them pops up for a scene and that's it it's not like crossover crossover territory you don't need to have watched both shows particularly right but if you watch one they're swapping characters so if they need a police officer they'll pull somebody you know off the other show to bring in which i think is quite a nice little way of doing it and sort of tells you it's a connected universe and all that sort of stuff so uh Mm. opening episode a little bit shaky i thought but i'll stick with it and see where it goes yes enjoyable enough that's a bit like with the 911 shows which i'm all caught up now with there was like the 17 
an episode or something for uh, yeah. number one and Lone Star. I'm all caught up on both those shows. Uh, and now and again, they call on the uh, people from the, the other shows to kind of show up. Both of those have been very, very good as well with the Rob Lowe-led show. And then yeah. uh, the other one, obviously, and Angela Bassett uh, killing it as always because she is great in basically everything. Yes. Um, for sort of comparable examples because those are the only two sort of procedural shows I actually watch. Yeah, I've been enjoying those. I am a bit behind on 911. I'm sort of picking up episodes as I sort of remember to go and watch them basically but they are mm. all on Disney Plus so you know the other thing I watched was a new Sky show I've only watched the first episode of this but stars Gemma Arterton it's called Funny Woman it's based on a Nick Hornby novel and it's set in the 1960s it's the story of a northern beauty queen from Blackpool who moves to London and tries to make it in the male dominated world of TV comedy in the 60s that's pretty much the setup for it I'm really quite enjoying it I think it, it is obviously based on a book it's not based on anything in real life you've got Rupert Everett in there who's playing a sort of theatrical agent who's slightly sort of past it I think at that point Gemma Arterton taking the lead role really doing quite well very entertaining show I mean it's a similar kind of premise to Marvelous Mrs. Maisel in some respects mm-hmm. um, it doesn't quite have the snappy dialogue that Mrs. Maisel does it doesn't have the Paladinos that show. yeah that's a great great show and uh, the Paladinos have this really snappy way of writing for it's the same as when they did Gilmore Girls it's very fast paced in the way they talk doesn't quite have that speed to it but interesting sort of look at this woman that's in the 60s that is trying to break into this world there's a sort of similarities between that but they're very different types of show in the ways that they're presented solid enough story I've only watched the first episode so I can't fully judge it yet but it's only six episodes long the first season so uh, I am looking forward mm. to watching a bit more of that but that's on Sky it's called Funny Woman the other thing I watched was uh, I actually picked up a movie I watched Jurassic World Dominion. Have you seen this film? Yeah, I really didn't like it at all. I remember yes. speaking about it. I'm trying to think, actually, because I had three contenders for my worst film of the year. I think I actually forgot to put it on... <laughs> <laughs> the list of it because I my contenders were Uncharted Death on the Nile and Black Adam and I gave it to Death on the Nile just forgot to put it on that, on that list <laughs> yes I suppose that's memorable for you and I, I get that entirely I mean I didn't hate it it's just not very good either if you're a fan of the Jurassic movies you're probably going to have fun with it there are bits of it that make no sense there are bits of it like the dinosaurs get way way too close and you're like why aren't they dead they really should have been eaten by a dinosaur at that point that makes no sense at all so there are problems with it certainly if you're a fan of the whole Jurassic franchise it's nice to see the people from both Jurassic World and Jurassic Park in one place I mean that's entertaining enough. I agree with that yeah the, the story itself is fine it's very set piecey in there's like bits of conversation massive set piece bits of conversation massive set piece I mean it, it's fairly formulated it just it's not a particularly brilliant movie but if you're a fan of the Jurassic movies it would be entertaining enough for you and if you want something to do on a Saturday night and you're looking for a film to watch 
it's fine. I certainly wouldn't have run out to the cinema to go and watch it. I don't actually think the effects look particularly great either in it. I mean, some of the dinosaur effects looked very kind of hard plastic to me, but it's okay if you want to go and watch it. But it's not exactly a ringing endorsement for it. But if you're looking for a kind of silly Saturday night movie to watch and take your brain out for, it's perfectly watchable, I guess. I wonder what they'll do with Jurassic now. Because you don't put a franchise like that to bed, do you? Rest um, it for you a little can... bit and then they'll come back with something oh, yeah, else, yeah. I'm sure. Le- leave it alone for a couple of years, but then uh, bring it back who- with whoever's going to be the the kind of action. Because Chris Pratt's kind of the action man at the moment, isn't yes. he? Yes. remember about 10 years ago when Jason Statham used to be sort of in a lot yes. of those roles. Maybe in, no, maybe not 10 years, but five years. I don't know, maybe they'll pick Tom Holland or something. Yeah. He, he would maybe slot into that sort of uh, action man type of role. And they'll uh, revive it or reboot it or do whatever with it. I'm sure it will come back at some point, but yes. That's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So we start off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. Uh, only one cancellation this week. It's Avenue 5, which has been cancelled after two seasons. I don't think that's a huge shock to anybody because I, I don't think it was quite landing as well as they hoped anyway. And then it was horribly delayed for the second season and been rumours swirling around that it probably wasn't going to get picked up. And then they announced this week that Hugh Laurie had gone off and joined another TV show. So that was sort of, I mean, it was doesn't necessarily mean he couldn't have done it but it seemed like it was likely that it was going to be done and then they announced that it was going to be cancelled after two seasons so is this that hbo space Space comedy hotel comedy thing yeah i briefly kind of remember that I think I remember it getting renewed. I don't remember seeing a second season pop up anywhere. There is a second so, season. It's on now and Sky right now. Okay. Maybe it popped up and I glanced at it but didn't press play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a shame. I love Armando Iannucci and, I mean, his political stuff like Veep and The Thick of It have been brilliant. I don't think this is necessarily his strongest work. But Mm -hmm. it's still entertaining enough. And there were some nice little twists in it. I just don't think it quite landed. So we'll see where he goes next. But yes, Avenue 5 cancelled after two seasons. As that was the only cancellation, I did do a bit of a bubble watch because we haven't done one of those in a while just to look at some of the shows which may be on the bubble for getting cancelled and renewed. These are US shows. Big Sky, apparently, there's been some talk about whether that will be coming back or not. The live ratings on ABC are not good, it's fair to say, but it does massively well in the delayed ratings, so it is probably okay for a fourth season. If it's doing well overseas as well, that's something else to look at, but the live ratings apparently aren't great for it, which could be a bit of a problem. But I think given the delay ratings are so good, it's probably all right. The Resident, which is on Fox in the US, rat runs on Disney over here. Season six finale was apparently designed so it could be a series finale if it 
needed to be. It's a bit worrying that the exec producer said they have got no indication about a renewal at the moment, one way or another. So we've got until May, really, before they make a decision with this sort of stuff. But again, I don't think its ratings have been completely stellar. So that may be coming to an end, but we don't know. The Goldbergs has really scraped through its last couple of renewals because its ratings have kind of been going down each season. Now it tends to do with some long-running comedies, but yes, really didn't have great ratings the last couple of times, and its ratings for the last season dropped 18%. So could be at an end, that, unfortunately, but wait and see. Over on CBS, Blue Bloods... Probably all right, but it is a 13-year-old show and has a large ensemble original cast, which means it's an expensive show because they've been there from the beginning, pretty much all of them. Kind of expensive for a procedural, but it is also the third most watched drama on CBS behind NCIS and FBI. There are ups and downs from that. I doubt they'd cancel it out and out. If they did decide to bring that to an end, it's more likely to get a final season, even if it's a shorter run. And there's no indication one way or another. It's just given the age of it and the size of the cast and their old original cast, you could either see quite a big cast shakeup, or, uh, but it's difficult to do with a show like that because it's based around a family of cops. So you can't really get rid of half of them. It's not like FBI where you can change the lead guy or a couple of the team members. or You can't really do that when it's... It's based around a family. You can't suddenly take one out and then bring in a cousin or something. It doesn't really work that way. We'll see how much longer that has in it, but it has been around for 13 years. And then over on the CW, all bets are off. I mean, the only thing they've renewed at the moment is All-American. All-American Homecoming, the spin-off, Kung Fu, Superman and Lois, Walker, Walker Independence, the Winchesters, which are all their scripted series. None of those have been renewed yet. So who knows? Very difficult to tell what what will happen over there. The new owners seem to be trying to take it in a different direction. They've just acquired live golf for the channel, which given the channel was supposedly aimed at a young audience and then you buy live golf is... is mm. Interesting. Yeah. And they're doing a lot more reality stuff and cheap TV, basically. That'll be interesting moving forward. You've got some kind of big ones in there as well. Like, obviously, you've got Winchester's, you know, is it a prequel spin-off of Supernatural, Supernatural. Uh, which is obviously a massive, massive show. Superman and Lois, I mean, all, all the other DC TV has been kind of cleared away. I only watch one of those shows, which is Superman and Lois, so yeah. I suppose that's good. But uh, just on the Big Sky things, I know we've just gone through these bubble watch shows. Um, that's such a great first season and then it did like this weird thing in season two where it kept on its same main storyline but then introduced like a b c d and e plot yeah there was like four more additional plots that were introduced which although were interesting as i was watching the episode i just kept thinking okay this is kind of interesting but why is it on this show yeah maybe i'd get back to watching that and just like skip over those scenes and concentrate on the main scene because none of these storylines were having any sort of like impact on each other i do still possibly have the intention to watch that show but it's on like season four now so I, we'll, uh, I very we'll much see. feel the you, same you dropped about off it, didn't you? yeah I dropped off it I watched like the first half of the first season which kind of wrapped up that main storyline to a certain extent and then it just continued I know what you're saying it, it suddenly had this bunch of other storylines coming in and it seemed to lose its direction a little bit so I, I don't know um, I may go back and watch some more of it but yes I kind of dropped off that I enjoyed the the 
opening mm. bits of it, but there's so much stuff around at the moment, it's very difficult. Moving on to the renewals, a couple of been th- things have been picked up. The Peripheral picked up for a second season, which I'm very happy about. Really enjoyed the first season of that and uh, definitely needs a second season, so I'm glad that will be coming back. That's the uh, adaptation of the William Gibson novel that's over on Prime Video from the Westworld people. Worth going to check yeah, that out. I really, sh- I really should watch that. Yeah, I really just- should. I keep not clicking on Amazon, basically. <laughs> yes, I know what you mean. Uh, and Call the yeah. Midwife, they've announced, is being renewed for seasons 14 and 15, and they've already got season 13, which is going to be starting filming in the spring. So there's basically three more seasons. It's on air until 2026 at least. Wow. So <laughs> ratings are through the roof. It's still doing incredibly well. So, I mean... Hardly a great shot with the BBC have picked that back up again. Over on pickups and other news, that show that I mentioned that Hugh Laurie had gone to, it's called Tehran, and uh, it's actually entering its third season on Apple TV. They renewed it for a third season. If you haven't watched this, it's a drama which tells the story of a Mossad agent who goes deep undercover on a dangerous mission in Tehran that places her and everybody around her in dire jeopardy. Hugh Laurie is joining as a South African nuclear inspector for the third season, apparently. Will be quite a central character in that third season. I haven't watched this. I don't think it's one that you've picked up off Apple either yet, have you? I think I've scrolled past it a couple of times, but it's not <laughs> one that I've not actually like clicked yeah. on it or anything. It's so. difficult getting past all the S shows on that because <laughs> they're all so good. So yeah, that's Turan though. So I maybe should go and uh, check that one out. But uh, yeah, Hugh Laurie's joining the third season of that. Star Trek Picard and Lower Decks, they've apparently done a deal. So they will now air on both Paramount Plus and Prime Video for the next seasons. So the final third season of Picard and Lower Decks when it comes back in the summer, they will air both on Paramount Plus and on Prime Video. It basically means that all the Star Trek stuff will now be on Paramount Plus, although as somebody pointed out, uh, they're saying everything Star Trek is now on there. Uh, Still missing is the 70s Star Trek The Animated Series, which isn't on Paramount Plus, and the um, Short Trek episodes aren't on there as well, I noticed, which is kind of annoying because there's still some of those which I haven't seen. Those were the little sort of 15-minute episodes that they tagged on to. Some of those are really, really good. Yeah, there was a couple of those which never actually aired over here. I was hoping that they'd be on Paramount Plus, but they're not. So hopefully they'll get added at some point. Moving on, there's some horse trading going on with a couple of other networks as well. Uncoupled, which was the Netflix series starring Neil Patrick Harris from the people that made Emily in Paris, that was cancelled by Netflix last month. That's now been saved by Showtime slash Paramount Plus. That will now be airing on Paramount Plus for its second season. Whereas the Showtime Paramount Plus show Ripley, which is an adaptation of the talented Mr. Ripley novels, which stars Andrew Scott, is moving from Showtime to Netflix. (laughs) So they've just sort of traded shows Hmm. backwards and forwards. Showtime in the US is getting absorbed into Paramount Plus, which will make no difference to us because all the Showtime shows air on Paramount Plus internationally or certainly in the UK anyway. So, uh, but they have a tab or something, don't they? Yeah, they will now be doing the same thing with Paramount Plus in the the USA. They shed three or four shows last week and it looks like this was one that they weren't entirely sure what they were going to do with. So they decided to 
sell it to Netflix. There was a little bit of news about The Boys because apparently there's been rumours flying around that the fourth season may be the last one. Uh, Eric Kripke, the showrunner, says it isn't. So he says season four is not the end. There will be more coming after that. So if you've seen rumours about that, they're not true. How much of the comic books is there? To be honest, it's so separate from the comic books at this point. It uses the characters, but none of the plot lines, pretty much. (laughs) There's been little bits of the plot lines, but not huge swathes of it, it the, the comic books are very very different from a plot point of view do you mean like walking dead different or like really really different i mean completely different okay um right. so there are characters from the comic books which have been much bigger on the tv show there are things in the tv show that were not in the comic books at all i mean it's it, they've taken the basic premise but turned it into something completely different so mm. Um, It's more like sort of comparing Lucifer to the um, comic books, which basically took the premise of it, but turned it into a completely separate thing. But there will be more of that coming. Channel 4 has ordered a new Friday night series called the Joe Lysett Live Show. That is a working title, it may change, but basically sounds like it's going to be, do you remember, the, oh, you're probably too young, but the old TFI Friday Chris Evans series. Vaguely. Is, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be that sort of thing. It's going to be running 10pm slot, I think. Six episodes, I think they ordered, but it's going to be a sort of that kind of live, big musical guests. That's what hmm. they're comparing it to. But that is coming. Don't know when yet, but they picked that up. There was a show called Love and Death, which hasn't actually aired either side of the Atlantic at the moment, but uh, I think it's a HBO Max series and ITVX have picked it up in the UK. It's another thing from David E. Kelly, who's the guy that made Big Sky, and it stars Elizabeth Olsen. Based on the true story of uh, a Texas housewife called Candy, and it follows two church-going couples enjoying small-town family life in Texas until somebody picks up an axe. That's the plot for it. Um, It sounds like it could be quite a sort of interesting, slightly quirky murder, true crime, sort of with a comedy element to it, I kind of get the feeling. So, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, but it looks kind of interesting. Elizabeth Olsen is great. David E. Kelly has a pretty solid track record. So uh, it's called Love and Death. Be airing later this year on ITVX and on HBO Max in the US. Mm. One other thing, there's a couple more spinoffs after we we mentioned a couple of spinoffs last week for, was it? Billions and Dexter. There's another show at it as well now. Bosch, which is the Amazon series. Prime Video ran the original Bosch, then Bosch Legacy, which is basically the same show, slightly remixed as far as I could tell, because it's the same cast or some of the same cast. Bosch Legacy runs on Amazon Freebie. And they're now looking at two spin-offs. One is following Bosch's former partner, Jerry Edgar. And the other one is what follows Rini Ballard, who is another character that hasn't actually shown up in the TV show yet, but is a focus of a number of the books written by Michael Connolly that are all set in the sort of novel Bosch universe. Because there's, there's like, I don't know, 20 books or something based around Bosch and various other characters. So I think Jerry Edgar's had some where he's the lead character and... And this Rini Bollard has had some where she's the lead character. So they're looking at a couple of other shows which are, are set within the same universe, but will have other characters as leads. So you can kind of cross them over and stuff. They haven't actually said whether that's going to be Amazon Freebie or whether that's going to be Prime Video, although it seems ridiculous to do one show on Freebie and then put the other two on Prime. But we'll mm-hmm. see. They're yeah. in development at the moment. They've not been picked up. So we'll let you know if they actually get picked up to series. 
speaking of spin-offs though the mother of all spin-offs which uh, is the walking dead which has got like a whole bunch of shows in development right now uh they did announce some more cast and some actual details about the daryl dixon series daryl dixon who we last saw in the finale of the main show driving off into the sunset he was on the search for rick wasn't he i think that was the, mm-hmm. the idea the new series because we've one of the things we've been like we knew the new series was set in france so it's like well how does he get to france so They've sort of skipped over that bit because he washes up on the French coast. He's struggling to piece together how he got there and why. So presumably he was on a boat and somehow made it across the Atlantic and washed up in France, but he conveniently seems to have forgotten how he got there, which is an interesting way of starting it. It's some sort of selective amnesia. But um, the spin-off tracks his journey across a broken but resilient France as he hopes to find a way back home. During his journey, though, the connections he forms along the way complicate his ultimate plan. Thoughts on that? I just imagined a scene in my head where he, I don't know, he gets knocked off his bike and then you cut to black and then you open with him literally (laughs) washing ashore somewhere, but in a somehow different country. Every single person who's basically talked about this show particularly is like, well, how does he get to France? Like that's that's yes. been sort of everybody's it's not question. Like you can hop on a plane, yeah. No, not not in this particular type of world. And his bike's only going to get him so far. Yes. So, and I know there's helicopters and stuff in in the series, but, but you can't take a helicopter it, from the US to France. So. No, no, you'd need. I I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's like the the biggest kind of. No. I mean, as long as he's just there, what whatever. It's a, it's a kind of point of curiosity about how he gets there. But yeah, as long as it's just him. Because we've tried to guess sort of, okay, these three spin-offs and that, like how are they going to fit together? Because you've got Daryl on his own now. He was originally going to have Carol with him, but Melissa had to uh, pull out because of scheduling and all kinds of things like that and because she didn't want to be in Europe. Then Rick and Michonne and then uh, Negan and, and Maggie, which has still got some interesting questions towards it. It's going to be interesting, like the, okay, what, what scene are you opening on? Like, is he, yeah. like when we do the, whether it's a cold open or you do a Walking Dead intro and then you cut to Daryl, is he on his bike when we first see him? And then does something happen and like you cut to, or would it just be, I don't know, the opening scene is just him washed ashore and then they just kind of yeah, go I, from there. I, it, yes, that's the sort of thing. I mean, presumably at some point we will find out how and why he ended up in France. But I mean, mm. it's possible he was on a boat, the boat went down, but I mean even so you kind of think he must have been heading that direction because it's still a long way to wash ashore in France if you were somewhere around the American coast so I mean I, who knows but hopefully they'll explain that somewhere mm. along the way um, what do you think of this seems like a slight cop out to not really explain that and not have him you know okay he needs to go to France for a mission to just have him sort of wash up and not really remember what he's there for which seems to be what the synopsis implies it seems to be a mystery just because whereas I would have preferred them to have had like he's gone to France because of something to do with the virus or you know because we know that there is a lab in France we know that there are variants of the virus and that sort of thing so I'll reserve judgment to see how they handle it. At least it's got a goal in mind. Yes. Because when we first heard about this, we were just kind of, okay, Daryl's a fine character, but why was the first kind of question. We're going to need like a trailer, I think, to get yeah. a good gauge on, on yeah. this. He's not completely on his own. They have got a bunch of French regulars in there as well as some other characters. So don't know anything about the French regulars other really than they've some random names and some actors. And Chari, who was in something called The Last Deadly Mission, Eric 
Ebony, who was in the Transporter 3, apparently. Laka Blank Frankard, who was in something called My Night. Roman Levy, who was in the Tunnel. And there's a newcomer called Louis Shiguzzi, I think. Uh, I'm terrible at pronouncing names, but I don't know anything about those characters. They're all French actors, so they're going to be playing the locals, basically, in this. But they've got names, we just don't know who they are. And it's not like you can go, oh, well, this is somebody from the book, because this is completely original. They have announced some other cast members and gave them a bit more information about it. There's uh, Clemens Posey, who was in The Essex Serpent, and Adam Nagatis from Chernobyl. They are taking lead roles alongside Norman Reedus, so they're going to be prominent characters. Posey plays Isabel, a member of a progressive religious group who joins forces with Daryl and finds herself confronting her dark past in Paris. Nagatis plays Quinn, a displaced Brit who has become powerful in post-apocalyptic Paris as a black marketeer and the owner of the Diamante, a sexy underground nightclub. Those are the two characters that we do actually know a little bit more about. So Hmm. um, it's apparently going to be around Paris. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see Walking Dead properly in a different country because up until now, every character's been American or at least had an American accent. So I've obviously got some some British actors in there that had to put on American (laughs) accents for a bit of time. That's one of the many things I think that we've talked about on the Walking Dead podcast is like, hey, if you want to, keep this as a franchise which amc will want to do um try exploring some different countries and this could be a good good somewhat way to do that i think as well yeah i mean i I do like the idea that it's set in france uh i've said before you know a walking dead uk would be an interesting one to do um Mm. you know because obviously this is a global thing so looking at other areas would be quite intriguing do you think because i'm sure amc is probably looking at what's going on with the last of us um not necessarily in terms of story or tone but just rave success and reviews and ratings i wonder if that will cause them to alter anything in any way at all yes i don't know because surely they'll look at that and think we've got something in the same genre we want this success and ratings yeah problem is that they don't have neil Druckmann and craig maston <laughs> behind right them. um yeah and they they don't... well yeah i mean yes he's not likely to come back is he at this point no and they've upset kirkman and You know, I mean, so I don't know. I mean, I did wonder the same thing as well, whether not that they're going to kind of rip anything off, but whether it will have any effect on this at all. I suspect not. I suspect they'll be like, you know, well, we're established. We, you know, we have a format. We're going to do our own thing, but Mm -hmm. we'll see. I think they're very different shows. They do both have sort of zombie related stuff in it, but there's huge differences in the way they're presented and with Last of Us is it has a very specific story that it's telling and yeah. that story is written and they're following it. With Walking Dead, it's past all that. So whatever they do now, they've got to make up themselves. <laughs> so. Imagine they announce, uh, hey, here's a new Walking Dead spinoff about an older guy and a younger <laughs> woman that he has to yeah. escort across the country. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. That, that would be suspiciously uh, interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, moving on to more spinoff things as well. This one at Prime Video and sort of follows on from something we mentioned a few weeks ago. Sony are developing this Spider-Verse set of TV shows. They mentioned one before, which was based around Silk, and that's going to be the first one to come up. There is a 
apparently another show in development, which is a Spider-Man noir show. Like the original comic book, this show is set in its own different part of the Spider-Verse. It's set in the Great Depression era in 1930s New York. Unlike the comic book, because in the comic book, it's a version of Peter Parker. It's a variant of Peter Parker. Whereas in this, it's going to be an older, grizzled superhero character, which raises some interesting questions sort of moving on. The character first appeared in the comic book in 2009 as part of the Marvel Noir line set in this alternate universe. The Peter Parker variant in there does get his power by being bitten by a spider, but the spider is inside this ancient idol that gives him a vision of a spider god who promised to give him powers. He then wakes up inside this cocoon and uses his powers to wage war against the criminal underworld of New York City. So, I mean, the basic premise is the same, except the fact that it's the Great Depression era, 1930s New York, is the main kind of difference. And we have seen versions of this character before. He was in Ultimate Spider-Man in the animation, voiced by Milo Ventimiglia. He was also in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, voiced by Nick Cage. And I sort of found it interesting that they said they're going to go for this sort of older, grizzled superhero character. And Into the Spider-Verse, he was voiced by Nick Cage. I wonder whether they're thinking about getting Nick Cage into to do it because the TV shows are under the control of Phil Lord and Christopher Miller who are the people behind the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse animated movies. It seems to be that version that they're going for which has popped up in the animated film. So maybe you could get Nick Cage to do it? I don't know. Interesting premise, I guess. Yeah, I think this sounds really, really good. A lot of the kind of ideas around this uh, are very, very interesting ones. Um, it's interesting to see what Sony is sort of trying to do with Spider-Man because obviously you've got the Venom verse thing, which some people like, but is is it's kind of its own thing. And then you've got this Silk thing here. Then you've got this noir kind of series here. One of the things I think I said about the uh, Silk series was okay. It's great that you're able to make these shows and films and whatever without getting to Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, the, the the like original quote unquote one that we know is in the MCU. So how can you either use maybe Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and do something there? But of course, you do have the Into the Spider-Verse thing where you've got all these different versions of Peter Parker. So you could maybe just do that instead. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could still... I mean, I don't know who's got the rights specifically for like Miles Morales. He's another character that we could... I would guess Sony does because Sony have said that there's about 900 heroes and villain characters that are connected to Spider-Man. So it seems to be everything connected to Spider-Man in the comic books is under Sony's control. So I Mm. guess you could use Miles. Maybe you could just dip into that pool of different Spider-Men and just sort of tell different stories. Um, It depends what exactly Sony wants to do, but I I think this is a very good idea to uh, add to this in, in this way. Yeah, I do quite like the sound of this. I mean, a sort of superhero thing set in 1930s New York, I think is a really kind of interesting idea. The person that's behind it, or the person that is writing it, is Oren Uzel. He has worked on a number of different things. There's a movie called The Lost City, which stars Sandra Bullock and Channam Tatum. That's the most recent thing he's done. He also worked on the Mortal Kombat movies, 22 Jump Streets, The 
Cloverfield Paradox. He actually wrote the presumably now dead Supergirl film, which was going to star Sasha Kelly. I'm guessing that isn't happening anymore. But he's also writing Detective Pikachu too as well apparently so it's kind of all over the place in terms of sort of tone and and things for those films but an experienced screenwriter i mean you could argue whether he's a good screenwriter i don't know but i have not seen many of those movies but we'll see but he's apparently the person that's developing the project Moving on to uh, more things that, that are spin-offs or sequels or all that sort of stuff. Stars are stepping back to Rome and uh, are developing a sequel to Spartacus. So remember those Spartacus TV shows? Yeah, I think so. Which I really enjoyed. They were great. From Stephen S. Denight, they're basically looking to set up a sequel to that. So after the defeat of Spartacus and his rebel army, the drama will depict a new tale of treachery, deceit and blood on unfolding beneath the foreboding shadow of Rome. The show will explore uncharted territory and new journeys of the original series' iconic characters. So it's going to be new people, presumably, and maybe some old faces thrown in there as well, because not everybody survived. There was a lot of people that got killed off in that Spartacus series, particularly in the last season. So we'll see. But it has got Stephen S. tonight back running it and uh, Denight actually once he finished with Spartacus went off and ran Daredevil so you know that's not a bad Mm, set of things to have behind you so Blood and Sand which was the original Spartacus series that's debuted in 2010 that was with Andy Whitfield in the title role Uh, but Andy if you've been following any of this unfortunately was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in March of 2010 which led them to delaying the second season so they created this prequel series called Spartacus God of the Arena to allow him time for treatment unfortunately he passed away and before he died he did say he wanted the show to continue and they recast the role with Liam McIntyre in the lead as Spartacus and did two more seasons which was Vengeance and War of the Damned Um, but it was a really great show I mean it was sort of full on blood and other body parts on display (laughs) pretty much every single episode but uh, it was a really fun show to watch did you see any of this yeah. no i don't think this is going to kind of be in my in my wheelhouse per se but if it does well then then that's good and maybe i'll check it out if if something pops up for it certainly i i think that's going to be one worth looking at if it's on stars or i mean they've not actually picked it up to series yet they are working on it uh, but they did send out a press release saying they were working on it which is usually quite a good sign that they that's are good. thinking that they are actually going to make it Stars in the US, which probably means it's Lionsgate Plus in the UK that will run it if it does get picked up to series. And there was one other bit of news that popped out last week as well, which was John Cleese is working on a revival of Faulty Towers after 42 years off air and two seasons. So, I mean, Faulty Towers is an iconic sitcom, obviously, from 42 years ago was when it ran. It ran for two seasons of six episodes each, so there are only actually 12 episodes of the original show. It's often described as being the perfect sitcom i mean it is very very funny it still pretty much stands up there's a few bits that are not exactly politically correct these days but i mean it's still very funny 
This new iteration comes from John Cleese and his daughter Camilla Cleese, both writing and would be starring in the show. It would explore how Cleese's over-the-top cynical mythanthropic Basil Fawlty navigates the modern world. There are not any plot details yet. It's said to focus on Basil's new relationship with a daughter he never knew he had as the pair attempt to team up to run a boutique hotel together. They have said that it wouldn't be set in a small English town. It would be likely set somewhere exotic like a Caribbean island. So a small hotel that would have guests that were incredibly wealthy is the sort of idea they would do it. Plus, it means that you could shoot it somewhere exotic, I think, which probably appeals to John Cleese, I imagine, uh, being able to go and live on a Caribbean island for half the year. But um, that is the idea for it. Um, I'm in very much in two minds about whether this is a good idea or not, because you could end up trampling over your legacy. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, it could be one of those things that could be brilliant. It could be one of those things that it does one season and people go, we'll just have to forget that ever happened. <laughs> but who knows? Yeah, I'm, I'm vaguely kind of aware of Forty Towers. I think I've heard of it. I think I saw this news pop up and thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Um, but if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But let's just see how it turns out. Yeah. Yes. You know, you do your classic reviews thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go and find Faulty Towers somewhere because I'd be very interested to hear you do a classic reviews on it. Because like I say, it's the half hour episodes. There are only 12 of them. So it would be an interesting one for you to go and do on classic reviews that because it is such an iconic sitcom. I'd be interested to see whether it still works or not. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. That's one that I could consider. Definitely. Yes, certainly. So that's all the news for this week. Just some time for some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week. We have a big show starting on, uh, well, Prime and on Paramount Plus on the 17th of February. We have Star Trek Picard returning for its third and final season. Very much looking forward to this. The reports that are coming out about it seem to say that it is really good. It will be on Prime Video. You can go and find it and you can also go and find it on Paramount Plus. But that'll be on the 17th of February. Also on Prime Video on the 17th of February, Carnival Row, second of final season of that, which I'm quite looking forward to coming back. That was the show with uh, Orlando Bloom and Cara Delevingne, a uh, sort of mm-hmm. fantasy noir thing with fairies and stuff set in this sort of war-torn version of this neo-Victorian city. Really enjoyed that. Very, very good first season. It's been forever to get the second season on air because pandemic kind of got in the way. But yeah, 17th of February for season two of Carnival Row. League of Their Own returns for another road trip. That is on the 17th of February as well. That's at 9pm. There is a new Apple show, which we mentioned a few weeks ago, called Hello Tomorrow. That's starting on the 17th of February as well. This is uh, sort of set in this sort of retro future world, uh, kind of think Fallout before the bombs dropped. That kind of mm-hmm. retro future setup. The series centers around a group of traveling salesmen hawking lunar timeshares. <laughs> so uh looks really, really good, this. I'm very, very looking forward to that. So uh, that's called Hello Tomorrow. That's on Apple on the 17th of February. Last week tonight, start with John Oliver returns for season 10. That's on the 20th of February at 9pm. And The Equalizer returns for season three. That's on Sky Witness on the 21st of February at 9pm. That will be back for season three. So uh, that's everything coming this week on TV. Matt, if they want to find you, where can they find you? Find more of my podcasts over on entertainmenttalk.org or your favourite podcast platforms by searching for the same name. Uh, TV, games, films, main eye podcasts. I uh, wasn't 
too well over the weekend, so we did skip gaming talking United Cast this weekend, but we'll sure be back with those soon. Got the podcast about Toy Story that I mentioned, got the podcast as well about Atlanta that I mentioned, and some general TV and film stuff. Uh, of course, we're doing The Last of Us at the moment, which is kind of the big thing. So yeah, there's a bunch of just different podcasts out there for different stuff. But uh, yeah, TV, games, films, main night podcast over on there. You can find me on Twitch if you'd like to at eTalk UK and YouTube Entertainment Talk Plays for video game stuff. That's me. Cool. So go and check out Matt on entertainmenttalk.org. For other people involved in the show, you can find Bex at twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes. That's B-Y-T-E-S. And she's streaming every week, so you can go and find stuff over there. There's uh, retro games. There's slightly more up-to-date games these days. Uh, she's been playing lots and lots of different stuff. There's also just chatting streams and all sorts of other weird and wonderful silliness going on over there. So go and check that out. Daryl, you can find over at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those TV series that you love, which are shot in Canada. For us, you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk and find all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website, post find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.